In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have received thy mercy, O God, in the midst of thy temple according to thy name, O God. So also is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of justice. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a beautiful mystery of what God has put at our fingertips, his power and his grace. And so seldom do we reflect on what God has put at our disposal, which means even more seldom do we use that for the benefit of others. And so in this gospel, St. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 9, is the parable of the, the dishonest steward, or the unjust steward. And as we reflect on this every year, there's obviously the observation that the dishonesty is not being praised or encouraged, but rather that he uses what is within his grasp shrewdly, and we don't typically. There's a, another specific dimension that's worth reflecting upon, and that's how he not only had things that were within his manipulation, but he had exercise of his master's authority. Obviously, the, the master in, in this case didn't have a good lawyer who was able to add language to the contract such that it provided for uh, inappropriate or unauthorized um, changes to the contract or by, you know, an employee or within a certain amount of time there were fixes to, to problems. No, the, what, it, what this parable is predicated on is that once the change has been made to that paper, it's actually official. And the master of the household is bound to honor it. And so what our Lord is praising isn't just shrewdness at that which is within your ability to manipulate, but also recognizing that you have an authority over sacred things and should use that in a way which is deliberate, smart, advantageous, not just for yourself, but for everybody. There are so many little ordinary ways in which you can do something on someone else's behalf which officially changes their standing. And they won't ever know it. Walk by a 
parking meter and it's already spent, you can add another quarter. Now, it's difficult when you're paying for your parking spot electronically. You can't do that anymore. You can't just beam extra money towards a vehicle. You don't even know who's expired their meter anyway. Spiritually, it's, it's when, we, when we pray for someone, especially someone who's not praying on their own, and especially someone who's especially unlikable, who we would not expect many people to be praying for them, let alone praying on their behalf. And this prayer that I offer up is as though I were that person. That's not just something like putting a quarter in someone's parking meter. But it's as though you're going to the courthouse where they're about to get charged with a misdemeanor or some other minor offense, because I'm going to use the analogy of felony with a mortal sin where we can't intervene as directly. And you can talk to the judge and you can say, let's just change that and edit that, and it's all taken care of. And their official status is done at the courthouse because of because you know the judge, because you, know, you babysat for his kids or you mow his grass or something. We don't just offer up prayers like throwing up quarters, but we can have a mass offered for someone where this is truly the worship of the church. This is not just a sacrament being confected, but this is the sacrifice of Christ offered up for that person's specific benefit. The, the work of the church, the voice of the church, the patrimony of the church will be, will be placed at this person's disposal for their benefit in this life and in the next. It sounds easy, but it's not. It's difficult. Because how do we experience it in reverse? How do we experience the um, the dishonest steward when, um, when it's cheating us. It's not just someone who uses uh, their ability to manipulate others and they get more money or they get a job they don't deserve or they get out of things when they should have gotten in trouble. But they're wielding authority and doing damage in a way which is official and um, beyond remedy is what happens when people speak, for instance, on behalf of God. And they do so saying things that God does not say. Right? It might be mom and dad saying, you're an awful human being. You should never have been born. It doesn't just cause damage. That that are that that person is supposed to be speaking on behalf of God. And what's just been said has been said, it can't be unsaid, by someone who represents God. 
There's no way to just simply go back and erase it. It's been done. They, they squandered their authority, or they, they exercised their authority, but they did so in a way that harms other people. Right? Deacons, priests, bishops, popes, when they express their opinions that are totally at odds or seemingly at odds with the gospel, when their voice should be used to repeat and extend the voice of Christ, their, their, their official capacity has been used to actually harm people. And how much worse it is when it's not just negligence, but it's deliberate and it's for their own benefit. And then how do we respond? Are we, are we, if we, if we take up this lesson from our Lord and realize that this isn't just about shrewdly manipulating what we have at our disposal for our benefit and the ones we love, but do we recognize that we wield an official authority? We can speak on behalf of Christ. That person who would be so easily neglected and ignored is someone whom we can bring to prayer and say, let's, let's pray that, let's pray to our Father. And, and the words of Christ are on their lips all of a sudden. It's that, it's that extra room at the nursing home or that next room at the hospital where the person sounds miserable and, um, is spreading their misery, but do we, do we give them some time? Do we allow them to think that Christ actually loves them? That God hasn't forgotten them? Just by the fact of your presence, you don't even have to have a cross showing. All the better if you do. When you have a chance to pray a rosary and you, there's an intention that you really want to offer up that rosary for, but you realize that person really needs prayer. Are you, are you willing to wrap them up into your rosary or even give them a decade or, or even give them the whole thing? or in a way which resembles the sacrament, when someone comes to you and says they're sorry, and you don't think they're perfectly sorry, do you forgive them? Do you extend to them forgiveness? You have the authority to do so. Obviously not the sins that they've committed against God, but the sins they've committed against you. It's within your power to discern. I don't know. I'm not going to. Because you're a fraud. Show me, show me that you're actually sorry. Sometimes we, have to, sometimes we have to tell people that when we know for certain they are not sorry and we actually allow them to hurt themselves and to hurt us by pretending to be sorry. 
But when it's just simply a matter of, yeah, they're sort of sorry, but they're not completely sorry. They're not on their knees crying and begging for mercy. Do we use our authority as God would, as Christ does? When we have the power to bind people's consciences, moms and dads do all the time. Pastors do as well on occasion. I tell you, you must take out the trash. I tell you, you have to do your homework. You, you must go to bed and turn off your lights. Do we sometimes, um, occasionally, hopefully without getting caught, do what they ought to have done? Take out the trash so they don't have to? Turn off all the lights or do something so that they can get off the hook? Something akin to priests doing some of their penitence penance? The woman with the hemorrhage reached out to Christ and touched his cloak. The power of God was at her disposal simply uh, to, to reach out. By the exercise of her faith, she was permitted to touch God and receive his power. In a very real way, God communicates to you his grace And he extends to you a share in his authority. And he invites you to be generous. Not just for the sanctification of your soul, but the salvation of others. When we realize this, we reflect more deeply on what it means to be adopted. We are heirs of the kingdom of God, not just simply Refugees who are permitted to occupy some remote corner. We are adopted children of God. We share in the rule of his kingdom. We share in some of the responsibility. We share in some of the suffering of the king. And we will share in some of his glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.